Well, cool. thanks so much for uh, for joining me, Mike. We got introduced via uh, a friend through through Twitter, and and I, I since sort of moved to Amsterdam, so he he had introduced us just to fellow sort of no coders together and just product builders just to just to bounce ideas off each other, and was fascinated by by your work and you and your team's work so far. So I kind of wanted to have you on and, and talk about a plethora of things, but let's first talk about uh, Minimum Studio and what it is, its mission, and, and the story of Eaton starting it, man. That, that's how I always like to begin. Uh, thanks for the kind words, of course, first of all. It uh, <laughs> means a lot. And I'm super happy that you wanted to talk with me on this podcast. Um, uh, the story of Minimum, what, the, the funny thing is, I, I tend to like having like this big story with a whole strategy and this whole plan. Mm -hmm. But honestly, uh, Minimum was, was pretty much a happy accident for us because we found... So I think that I, I need to tell the story of me and my co-founder. Do it. Said. To yeah. explain to explain kind of how all of this happened, we met each other at an internship, I think, some sometime in 2014 or something. And the only thing we really knew about each other was we were both into music. He was a developer who liked the business side, and I was mm -hmm. a guy in the marketing uh, department who likes the, the the tech side of things. So we basically told each other, whenever we have an idea in the future, we're gonna call each other and we're just gonna you know work together sometime. That was yep. really the only kind of idea. And I was like the idea guy at the time. I couldn't really build anything. So I had an idea, I think, a few weeks later. And I was like, okay, let's go. <laughs> so we started doing these this, <laughs> this side projects for years, making all the rookie mistakes. So, you know, not validating, making things way too big, coding everything by hand. Mm. Um, basically making these big plans uh, for raising investment and stuff like that. And the goal yeah. was kind of this bootstrapper's dream of we'll just have our day jobs on the side. We'll make something that's so successful that just lets our quit, lets us quit our day jobs. <laughs> I think everyone is kind of uh, familiar with that concept. And, but it was a good time because we had this, you know, this, this room to experiment with so many things that could fail and so many things that could just go wrong. But it was also like, demotivating for us because our IDs were just too big to be side projects. So we were just constantly totally. kind of quitting them at some yep. point. Yep. So in this period, I worked in growth for, for startups. So I did like consulting and did like growth marketing. So I, I learned a lot about testing and experimenting and validating ideas. And Yusuf was a developer at a big agency. So he understood the agency side really well. Yep. And in hindsight, that has been really useful because at some point we said, okay, the side project part is not working for us. Um, we probably just need to commit to a date and go full-time on one of our ideas and just become entrepreneurs. And, and we'll see how we'll get it done. So yeah. we'll, we'll see how we, we'll do it in terms of money. In that time, I also found Bubble because I was so frustrated uh, with not being able to code and not being able to help Yusuf. So I learned how to design uh, just out of, you know, being sort of waiting for, for something to happen. I learned yeah. how to design and then I found these no-code tools. And I started sending Yusuf, and this was when we still had our jobs, I started sending him these prototypes that I built for IDs that we had. And I built them in a weekend or so. Yep. And this was like 2016. So it was like early days, no code. So no one really knew about it. <laughs> and he, as a developer, he saw the prototypes that I built and he knew what I could and couldn't do. So right. after three of them, he was like, you need to tell me how you're doing this <laughs> because this, this is not possible. You shouldn't be able to do this right. with your skills. <laughs> like this is ridiculous. <laughs> so as a developer, he was impressed. And we started shouting, you know, at our jobs and in the startup scene here in Amsterdam, we started telling people like, this is crazy. Why are people coding MVPs if yep. these kind of tools exist? I literally helped startup founders validate their IDs and I saw them having like this big development team for it. And I'm, I, I kept telling people, guys, there's this, there's this tools. And we thought at that point, we thought, okay, this will take a year or so. And then everyone will be doing this. Like this, right. this right. is so great. So that was kind of a 
something that we found along the way and the, the lucky thing that we found during these side project projects because we decided January 1st, 2019, we're going full-time. We were building a um, software as a service for the music industry at the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we were finally kind of validating everything and testing with early users. And I was building it on Bubble. And our idea was we have this freelance client, which was my previous employer. And we would have, I moved to Asia to do the digital nomad thing. So to keep my costs <laughs> low. Yeah. Uh, so the classic, all the classic things, but we sure. had one freelance job that paid our bills. So it was like two days a week of work. And then the other days we would have for our software as a service project. Nice. And I was, I was out there for, I think four or five days and then the project disappeared. So we didn't have any cash flow anymore all of a sudden. What do you mean the um, project disappeared? What do you mean? Uh, well, basically that project was kind of dependent on things in that other company going well or oh, raising gotcha. and stuff like that gotcha. and there was just some 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 complications so they couldn't invest in building that gotcha. tool anymore but we were doing that in bubble so that was kind of our first bubble project we did realize doing that project that what we did was a really cool thing because we were building yep. so fast and so many yep. so all of at least sudden, it va- at least it validated was- bubble for you. you know that you could use this at least it wasn't a waste of time you learn it seems like right. you learned bubble from that yeah and like profession doing it as a professional service um so we were like i think heads down in bubble uh trying to figure out how much this tool could do cash flow disappeared i was the other side of the world so my (laughs) local network was worthless yeah Um, (laughs) and uh, yusuf was still in the netherlands and we had our music sales but obviously that's a slow burn so that takes years sure sure profitable for two people so you can imagine kind of the the chaos that ensued because i think we had like three months of of runway or something and then like everything would be gone so so we felt pretty shitty uh, <laughs> about the whole adventure, but uh, it forced us to think really deeply about what can we do. It just just purely revenue focus. Like what what right. can we do to replace this? Well, we knew we had quite some experience validating startups. I could design, and we found this these these cool no code tools, and we actually built a few apps on them. So we figured out that is super interesting, and Yusuf can code, and that kind of forced us to think. There's probably no one out there who combines these things and just can tell an entrepreneur, um, we can help you make sense of your idea. We can help you break it down to the minimum and we can actually build it in a few weeks. And because no one had, had caught, no one had listened to us when we were shouting about these tools. So right. luckily we were still the only people that realized it's crazy. This. Yeah. 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 So I think a day later, our landing page was up. Uh, because in my complete uh, complete frenzy, I just uh, was of like, course okay. bought, bought a domain name. <laughs> it just, just yeah, it yeah, yeah, and it was honestly, I I found the the list recently of names, uh, and it was really like, okay, we need a name. We're not going to just be two separate freelancers. We need a name. Um, so it was really a split second decision. Min Studio sounds great. The domain is available. Yep, let's do it. Put it up. Nothing really happened <laughs> at first for months. So we had to find other ways to stay alive, but we really believed in the concept. And I think we got, so that was about like April or March, 2019. And then in, I think, August 2019, we got featured on MakerPad. Yep. And in the meantime, we did like some consulting gigs. So not really building stuff, but more like helping people validate, which was okay. But then we got featured on MakerPad. And from that moment, so those were the people that the people that found us there actually realized that what we were doing was so special and they actually saw the value. Mm-hmm. And from that moment, it's just been crazy. So we, from that moment, it's really all been inbound people asking us for help and um, us just trying to build that out so honestly i think all those months in between we were like yeah it's maybe not the best idea yeah yeah <laughs> until it was until so it quite was. crazy and when we talk about 
you know, no code, low code, low code. There's a maker path for anybody who doesn't know is, is a, probably the best resource in the world right now, you know, for just understanding and educating yourselves around all these tools uh, where look, it's, it's where most entrepreneurs go or bootstrappers go to just build out, try to build out their self, like themselves, their MVP, right. Or, or even below that, just, just anything. Um, there's so many tools there. This world is sort of erupting and there's sort of all these different platforms out there now to, to build something on. I really enjoy Webflow. I really enjoy Bubble from everything that I watched. I played around with it a little bit, but I haven't had I haven't had to need to build something on Bubble quite yet. But let's talk about maybe the differences and why you think Bubble is so sort of valuable compared to maybe the other sort of web frameworks out there um, where you can sort of build you know, low code MVPs, like what is it about Bubble that, that you love so much right now? Yeah, uh, I think that's a really good question because we've never, there's there's some competitors out there that really uh, put themselves down as a Bubble agency. And mm, we've already, yeah. always had our eyes open to replace it if there's a better tool or to, to find something else. And I think the reason we keep, we keep just kind of coming back to Bubble is not because it's perfect. You know, mm -hmm. sure. A lot of these tools are, are still quite, like they still have quite a lot of work to do, but it's the, um, let's say if you want to build a marketplace, for example, you have within Bubble, you have all the tools to just stay within Bubble and build the whole thing. So you have a database, you have a, a front front end side of things, you can uh, design in there and you can do more complex things like mm -hmm. uh, integrate with other platforms or uh, run really complex workflows or, or actions on, on the data that you have. If you would do the same thing, but use Webflow, for example, you would have to combine it with Zapier and Airtable. So you would have to find something else to power it. And yep. So you have to think a lot about a lot of tools all of a sudden. And Bubble is really the only one that, and I, I guess it kind of comes with a learning curve because a lot of people don't want to learn Bubble because it is quite complex. Right. Because it's the one that actually comes closest to programming because you have all yeah. the tools in there. Yeah, the database, I think, is is the key, right? That kind of what separates yeah. Bubble from, from all the other platforms out right now. Talk a little bit about some of the ideas that, that come across your desk just to give an idea to the audience of what what you can build, right? Whether it's a SaaS app, whether it's like a marketplace, what, what are some of the things that come across your desk and, and through email ideas being pitched and like, hey, I want to build this. Like, give us an idea of what comes through through your desk and, and what you can build with Bubble. Yeah, that's a good question as well, because we spent, I think, the first year really trying to figure out where that line is so right. which ideas we just have to reject because the, mm -hmm. uh, they're not going to be a great fit i guess our i think the best fit is really like software that is not necessarily technically complex in what it does so a crm for example or a marketplace okay. is not like deep technology right. it's not uh, hard to build so it's relatively simple tech and it's very it should be very uh, specific to a certain audience or to a certain niche those typical kind of things are, are great for us. so for example an internal crm for a very specific industry is great because it doesn't have to be as fast as a slack or asana Right. right. It doesn't have to be like super optimized, um, but it does have to be custom. And I think that's the perfect fit for Bubble projects is if Bubble mm. gives you a blank canvas, complete blank canvas. So if the idea is quite custom, as in it doesn't really, it, it needs some changes that other software will just not do, then Bubble is a great fit because you can literally dream up any kind of structure or page um, that you would want to with it. And instead of, for example, if you want to build a community, but it has to be very custom. So, you know, there's some features that no other community has. Mm. It might be smart to do bubble. If you are 
going to build a community with pretty common features, you might want to use something like Circle or something that is really built for communities because then you can skip a lot of steps. Yep. So I guess it really boils down to companies that have like very specific use cases or really new ideas. So really SaaS ideas that are like, mm -hmm. I want to use this as a software and sell it to other people. Bubble is a great fit for those things as well. I think a, a cool thing to reference too is, is, is Dale at Good Geeks. He, he, he sort of built a, a, a sort of social good job board. And then the thing that I see he's been doing is kind of adding these little features, right? He's kind of layering, like the job board was the foundational part of the platform, but now he's sort of right. adding freelancer profiles and kind of adding, you know, brand profile, like these different things he can stack on top of things, but do it very quickly, right? Do it very rapidly. This is the perfect example. I think um, I, I have I have a harder and harder time describing what Good Geeks is because initially it was kind of a job board, but then it got all these layers on top. Mm -hmm. And if you would have had a job board template, then that would have would not have been enough to do what he's right. doing now. And the cool thing about Bubble that will be hard in other cases is um, in deal with, with good gigs, he filters things based on uh, causes that people believe in. So, you know, mental health, racial justice, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, women's rights, because everything is in this Bubble database and you have the power to design that database yourself. You can do really cool things like, mm -hmm. for example, make a page make a page that is specifically about mental health and then has jobs, but also profiles, but also companies. So you can just get, you can do things that are kind of outside of people's expectations or you have like a lot more freedom to build something that is really new and really yeah. different. Um, if you know how to use it well, of course. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I just, I think that's the, the big part of all this is kind of not being overwhelmed by also the time it takes to traditionally build big ideas. Um, or not even big ideas, just, you know, smaller ideas, right? I mean, even five years ago, right? You know, five to seven years ago, it might take six months to get a year to even get like a really functional MVP out. Um, but now, I mean, we're talking two months, you know, something like that. I mean, the, the, the rapid, the ability to rapidly build sort of MVP and prototypes has really changed the game, I think, for entrepreneurs and sort of bootstrappers out there. It changes the dynamic, I think, a lot, as in that a lot of the theory as well around validation or, or uh, uh, checking new ideas with the market um, are also really based on the, that you want to de-risk everything because there's, you know, everything's going to cost so much time yeah. to build or in, in essentially resources, money or time. Yeah. Um, but this kind of changes, we need to rethink all of that because sometimes you can spend a week interviewing five people or you can actually spend it to build something and then launch it and then see what happens so it's yeah the trade-off becomes crazier <laughs> yeah that could be good or bad for for people like us right where we have an idea and then all of a sudden a week later we we've launched something and it's just like oh wait should i should i have built this should i have done this 100%. And I think we're either, I think we're very, all very immature in that subject that because we're all so excited about no code, we just keep building. <laughs> and we kind of forget that, you know, you need to do the other part as well, you know, talking to people about your idea and, 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 and checking if it resonates and all of those things. But um, people just are, I think I see some people in, in my network that's just so, they are just so uh, crazy. Like every weekend they turn out something new and it has a domain, it has its own page. Totally, it's, man. Totally, totally. I, know, I, feel, I feel that pain. <laughs> I, wanted to, I wanted to go back to something you said before about your previous sort of gig doing growth at, at a startup. What are some of the things that maybe you took away from that experience? And I, I know usually with growth at a startup, it's much more of like a product base and it, it's, I don't know if it's it's harder or if it's the same to bring that growth mentality to like an agency atmosphere, 
right? But like, it, what, what maybe have you brought over from that to, to bring the minimum? I think most of it has actually more resulted in our in the way we work for clients or, or our approach. So I think that that mentality doesn't translate super well to the agency side because initially the agency side is really about sales and not necessarily numbers or right. analytics or funnels, right? right. Uh, it can be that, but I mean, that might be a year or two ahead where that becomes like really important. And especially with our model, because people, everything is quite inbound. So I've been, it's been hilarious how little time I've been spending on my, on what, what I have experienced with in terms of growth. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, all my time went to design, but what it really, what it did really bring to us is this experimental mentality in, in the way we approach the MVPs. The one thing that's of course, super important in growth is validating your assumptions and checking whether you're right and breaking things down into small experiments. And that that has become that has become exactly what we facilitate with with the agency and exactly what we tell clients and every time they have an idea they we become kind of annoying in the sense that we say okay but can we break it down to something smaller and launch mm. that first mm. so that is definitely something that i took from from that side a hundred percent and then it hasn't really served me that well yet on growing the agency because that is more of a sales and reputation game right in the end. we've talked a lot about about bubble but what are some of the other tools that you know you as a as a small studio and, and a small team are using sort of every day whether it's slack that we mentioned or whether it's it's, it's anything else whether it's Canly or or whatever it may be what are some of the other tools that you guys are using to run sort of the day-to-day -day of the business yeah well obviously we're nerds so we use a ton of tools but i'll <laughs> highlight a few that i i've been really enjoying uh Notion is kind of our, our source yeah. of truth for everything uh, internally, but also with clients. We're super happy with that. Figma is what I use. So we do really design separately from, from building. So Figma is, is basically where we do reviews and store designs and then talk with clients about what we're going to build. And we use Twist internally for asynchronous uh, communication, which is okay. kind of a Slack alternative. Okay. Um, because we're a fully remote company, we are really keen on writing our thoughts out and and you know being specific and um, giving each other the space to to do good work. We try to we're trying to make everything more and more asynchronous, where we have these these weekly updates and just this thoughtful kind of communication. One other thing is grain. Yeah. Grain is grain is probably my my favorite from the past few months. Oh, I heard is, about this. Still, go ahead. Go ahead. This is for. This is crazy for us because honestly, I can have a call with a client and Grain will record my Zoom call and it will allow me to either during the call to put like an emoji to highlight a certain section because I'm like, oh, this is interesting. I need to save this for mm, later, okay. but it will transcribe the call immediately and then allow me to highlight certain sections of the call or search through the text in what we were talking about. And then you can super easily create shareable links, which are highlights from your Zoom call. So you don't necessarily have to be at the call anymore to mm. know the important parts because you can literally just highlight them and send them to your team and say, Hey, this is what we talked about. You can skip the other parts. And that is just, that's pretty magical. sick. Yeah. That's pretty sick. Yeah. Well, you mentioned notion and I think notion is, are you guys using the free notion or do you use the paid version? We're on the team plan. I think. The team plan. Yes. Okay. So do yeah. you, are you paying for everything at the moment? Like twist and I think grain is, there's no free. I think it's all paid for, for grain, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and honestly, with agency margins, it's all quite easy to justify uh, yeah. these costs. Um, yeah, totally. Because it's, yeah, yeah. I tell people like, I think a classic bootstrapping uh, story. Yeah. I tell people like, I mean, for a hundred bucks a month, you could get a pretty good stack of tools to run your entire yeah. company. Obviously you can get crazy if you want and go down a 
build a build some build a stack that is like insane for a few hundred bucks but even like a hundred bucks i mean even for bootstrappers right like not each, i mean that's still you can build build a pretty nice suite of tools for about a hundred bucks a month yeah i agree and i also think that for me i also just i don't really think about it too long because i don't want to spend my energy on trying to minimize those costs i'm, I'm thinking like will this save me time right and how much and if this will save me, you know, if this will save me enough time, then it's a, even if it's expensive, that's an easy purchase. And I, I think everyone should be thinking, especially if you're in tech, like a hundred bucks a month is not hard to earn or to get somewhere. Totally. Um, yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, it's worth it. It makes everything a little bit easier for sure. Uh, <laughs> but then there's like a thin line between two Betty tools, right? And then just like the perfect amount. Yeah. There's probably a good, like a good, good reminder to get back to you, like in every X amount of weeks to just review what's going off this bank account and just cancel yeah. some plans. Yeah. yeah. And don't take the annual one before, you know, you're actually going to use it. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you, let's look at like the next maybe uh year, two years out. Like, what are you excited about in the space? Is there, is there anything new from bubble coming that you would like to see, or maybe if there's other things out there that you maybe see and you want to try out is sort of there there anything out there that is interesting is interesting you right now yeah definitely there's a ton of interesting things happening in in just the scene in general because a new no-code tools are popping ground like, like crazy <laughs> like there's so many and I, most of them we cannot really use that for clients because they're so young but i mean within totally. two years yeah. from now we'll probably we won't even recognize the landscape probably with the pace right. that right. everything's going in what i'm excited about on the bubble end of things is they currently have a pretty um let's say they're their responsive engine or their like design side of things their front end side it's just not great yeah it's just really like the, the way they handled it is not great webflow is a lot better at that if we could um, just merge webflow and bubble together game yes, over game that, over yeah and that's we've been talking about this like someone is going to do this yeah. either bubble or webflow themselves or someone else is going to get this get this get this working mm -hmm. that person will be super super happy because yeah. everyone's going to jump on that <laughs> we're waiting for that to happen but i'm happy we're in the water and being early um but um for us for us as a company we're going to do some pretty exciting things because we are this year we're delving into plugins so we're building like these custom plugins for bubble the cool thing is we can use the agency as a sort of r&d so we do projects then we figure out something we cannot build and then we build the plugin ourselves and then we can sell that again on the marketplace amazing and that's exciting because it's a different different type of thing to do it's something we can really be product people again you know we can really create totally. new things and that's really cool we're doing um that we're doing also uh sort of video tutorials on how to build common platforms on bubble yep so we're, i think just the, the gist of it is we're trying to move a little bit from more from being just a traditional agency and having to scale that to you know to be a big agency instead of that we're more moving towards extracting things that we learn from these projects and Teaching, then offering be, them to other builders. Yeah. Yeah. Be an educational platform. I think that's where MakerPad really succeeded was building yes. almost an educational platform. I mean, that's kind of what they're, yeah, they're building morphing into. As well. I think Ben, the founder of MakerPad practically, I think spun out the whole no-code term and he, and he was early, like he was mm -hmm. wa waving the flag before it was cool. <laughs> and that's like, that's, that's awesome. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I think I'll end on uh, the last question would just be about sort of, you know, you and, and sort of the, the team and, and how, how blending everybody's different sort of areas of expertise sort of together, right? And, and obviously 
I think it, you and Yusef are, were like perfect to start because he had the agency side and, and the coding side and you sort of had the, the design and the, and the growth side. It was, it was really just a, a great sort of marriage of, of co-founders, right? How much would you say that's important for other, you know, bootstrappers or, or, or solo people out there to find like a good partner? Every week, I am super grateful that uh, we met each other because I think it doesn't have to be skills that much, but it's just our personalities are very mm. um, complementary. I think that has that has been something that has pulled me through also the, the harder times, uh, a lot of times, but also that if that works well, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that with everyone. So I'm just mostly super lucky to have found someone that sure. like we never really have an argument about anything because our split in our focus is so natural that it just become, we don't have to talk about who is doing what, because it it's already quite apparent from the thing itself. So mm -hmm. if we talk about mm -hmm. doing finance or sales, then we don't have to have a discussion about who's going to pick <laughs> that up. Like that's obvious, right? Um, yeah. But it's not just that. It's mostly that uh, without Yusuf, I would have probably made some very big mistakes mm. <laughs> uh, because I, I tend to be the push and he tends to be the pull. So I tend to come up with a new idea every two days and just <laughs> be so excited about it. And then Yusuf is the only person who can tell me, uh, yeah, that sounds like a great idea, but let's, you know, sleep a few nights and uh, see if we still think it's a great idea next week. Yes. Or yes. it might not be a great idea. Um, if it sticks around, we might do it later. And I think having that person and if you do trust them so if that person is around you do have to trust them but having someone like that for a lot of entrepreneurs also around me i see like that is the biggest benefit and i think for yusuf it's the other way around where he knows you know we're always going on a bit of an adventure and uh, something is some, something cool is going to happen yeah yeah um, so so that balance is perfect okay last question i promise is <laughs> is around you had spoken a little bit earlier about validating an idea and you know sitting with with founders because like you said i mean look ideas is like we all have them man it, it, it's ideas are the easy part right the execution is is, yeah. is the tough the patience and the execution of, of actually building it out and, and doing it the right way when you talk about sitting down with like somebody who emails you right or, or reaches out and say hey i want to build this what's that validation process like and you don't have to get all all, all your secrets sauce away but like it, is it just <laughs> simply is it simply looking at, you know, what they want to build and you actually telling them like, you know, maybe I don't think this is actually going to work. Like there's better stuff out there. Like, does that happen sometimes where you're just like, you know, this is yes. maybe not the best, best um, idea right there. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. We, of course we do this in a way that doesn't hurt people's feelings, but sure, um, sure. we, we take a lot of pride in, I think that was the original concept where we said we are going to do the, the anti-development agency. So it's going mm. to be where a normal development shop will tell you, oh, don't you want this feature? And don't you want this? And we can spend seven months on doing it. We would just literally tell people, you do not need us for this. You can do this right. yourself. Right. That's, That's my great. favorite my favorite thing to do. Mm. And people are grateful because people come back later and say, you were right. So sometimes I tell people, you can do this with a WhatsApp group or you can do this mm -hmm. with a newsletter or like you do not need us. Right. And that creates so much trust. But and I think, and it feels like the right thing to do. And I think that's the best. Sometimes these people come back and they've actually validated stuff. And then it's so much more fun to do the project because we know they've done the work. Yep. Um, we don't necessarily, I think, tell people that their vision mm. uh, is, is, not, is not there because that is something we really want to respect. We just take a look at how much they're investing relate, like related to how much 
they want to invest. So in terms of so sometimes an entrepreneur comes to us and they have like this hard earned savings mm-hmm. that they can only spend once and they want to spend it on this one version of an app. While in reality, we know that the first version is probably not going to be mm-hmm. the, the right one. Right. So you'll probably need to iterate. And I think context is very important. At that point, we really try to think about, okay, this is your one shot. Do you really want to spend it this way? Or do you want to de-risk it a little bit more um, and run some experiments by yourself or learn a few of these tools? Because we know that's Mm -hmm. not going to end well. We're going to build it and they're going to wait until it's done and then think, okay, this is going to be it. And then that disappointment is just not fair. I think if you already know beforehand, like, as a company, we, we see it enough that we know the first version is probably not always going to be spot on. So mm-hmm. it's honest, I think, to say this. And But but if they're, for example, a VC-funded startup and they say, hey, we want to build right. four no-code projects, just test the waters and learn from it, will we be happy to say yes? Because we know they're not taking mm-hmm. uh, crazy risks. So there's, I, I, I think we try to not necessarily, we look, of course, at, at like product validation and stuff like that, but mostly also just in context and how much risk is someone taking and can we think, can we do this smarter? But when they do say, I do want to do this and I do want to commit and I want to do it my way, obviously we get out of the way and we don't mm-hmm. stay annoying, but we yeah. do, we do present the options. <laughs> we do present the options. What about the handoff? Is there training involved or do you, do you say, Hey, you know, we need to, we need to stay involved because a lot of people aren't going to know how to just update certain things. Right. So like, do they just usually keep yeah, you guys? Is, yeah. yeah it's, a, it's just a big, it's just a big, it's, it's sort of a big thing that I think gets lost a little bit in the thought process. Yeah. This is, this has been tricky for us because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we know for a fact that there's very little good bubble, bubble developers out there. Yeah. And so you don't, you really don't want to uh, leave people alone. Because you know they will not, they will have such a hard time finding other good people, and that just morally doesn't feel great. I think this is an overlooked part of starting an agency or being a freelancer, where if you're building stuff for people, at some point it needs to be maintained, and they will call you. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) I'm happy we're committed to the agency route because then that that feels like okay, we need to do that, right? Because but if you're thinking I'm going to do a few projects and then disappear, like these people are still going to call you. So um, we have retainers for this in terms of. We have this maintenance mode, um, which like a number of hours a month, and they can just send us a Slack message for like nice. small things. The yeah. only rule there is we, we won't build anything, any new features. We will just tweak and fix things and change small things. Yep. And we kind of remind them every month, like this is our next available slot. If you want to build something new on top of what you have, that's kind of for the people who want to be hands off. We also have a few clients who who already were building on bubble before they got to us nice. so they've been able to do the simpler things themselves which we like of course it's just like here's your product and at least the, the basic structure is is really solid then and we have like a third option that's kind of popping up now is that sometimes we train someone from that team with these maintenance modes like these these retainer hours we just train them mm-hmm. slowly nice. Yeah. to make these changes themselves. And that's my favorite, obviously, because yeah. you're actually teaching people something. Well, thanks so much, Mike. This was, uh, this was great, man. This is, it was, it was great to, to, to hear your story and, and kind of get, get an idea of, of where the movement is sort of going. And I think uh, just the, the optimism within the space. And I think every founder from any sector should be, you know, super like optimistic and like happy because no longer does I think the tech prevent people from launching their ideas. Um, it, it's just not a insurmountable thing to overcome anymore. You're like, everything is sort of within reach. <laughs> pretty much you could build 
anything now. Like any idea is buildable like pretty quickly. You know, obviously there's things, of course, that you can't, but like 90% of things can be built now, like yeah. pretty rapidly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so yeah, man, it, it, it's been a thrill to, to chat and discuss all, all, all the movement and, and the stuff going on. So best of luck the rest of this year and the rest of the future, my man. I agree, Grant. Thanks so much for having me. And um, yeah, it was a great chat. And I hope a lot of people become more optimistic about building their own ideas after l listening to this. <laughs> <laughs>